This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. On deck is Richard Sims with Cruise News and our friend Angie giving a review of a Carnival Cruise Line ship, her very first time sailing Carnival. She took a little cruise down to the Mexican Riviera for seven nights out of Long Beach. So we'll check in with Angie here in a little bit as well. And by the way, a quick little housekeeping note here. If you've emailed me over the past, let's just call it two months, and you haven't heard back from me, I did a month-long trip over to the Philippines and also Dubai, Amsterdam, and a couple of cruises in there as well. So no excuses. Things just piled up on me, so I'll try to do better. But if it was urgent, email me again so I can at least uh, get it bumped to the top. All right, staff writer Richard Sims is here with Cruise News. Hey, buddy. Hey, Doug. Richard, you always say people just don't fall off cruise ships. They don't. You know, I've said it a thousand times. People don't fall overboard unless they're doing something stupid, in which case, okay, yes, sometimes people fall overboard. Um, This time it was a passenger on Mariner Mariner of the Seas, a Royal Caribbean ship who fell off the ship reportedly while trying to take a selfie. So that definitely, if that is true, falls into the category of doing something stupid. Fortunately for her, the ship's crew was able to rescue her after about 45 minutes, and that makes her... Honestly, that makes her extremely lucky. The Cruise Line International Association, which is sort of the group that reports on and monitors cruise ship news, they said that of 212 people who went overboard between 2009 and 2019, only about 28% wound up being rescued. So, you know, that's that's not a great number. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to take a better look at those numbers because – You know, we hear a lot about people going overboard. That's 212 people over the course of 10 years. Now, consider the fact that in 2016 alone, 24 million people around the world went on a cruise. Again, just in 2016, 24 million people. When you start doing the math, you realize that while this type of story gets a lot of attention and it's always followed in the comment section by people screaming, oh my God, why would anyone go on a cruise? Look how easy it is to fall off. Yeah, no. During that same 10-year period that 212 people fell overboard, more people were struck by lightning, like like 280 people or so in that same period. Your odds of falling off a ship are very, 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 very slim, and they get even better if you don't do stupid things. So is she all good? She is all good. There's a lot of video of people like taping the rescue and everybody cheering on the ship when she was brought back on board. So yeah, I mean, you know, the the thing is, this could have had a bad ending in numerous ways because whenever you do a rescue like that, you know, the crew is also putting their life at risk to go and rescue your dumb butt. So, So, you know, again, people just don't do stupid things and we won't have to have this discussion. And Carnival Corporation had some really good news this week. They certainly did. So Carnival delivered very, very, very good news during their quarterly report. Long story short, they're making money again. And in looking at what's called like the long-term booking curve, they're going to be making even more money in the future. They basically, in looking at 2023, they kind of consider it over in terms of booking. Yes, you can still book a cruise for 2023, but 
you know, they're very, very, very happy with where they are positioned right now and what they've got on the books for the rest of the year. And they're also really well positioned for 2024. They've already seen a record number of bookings. In other words, if you look at like this same time, you know, pre-crew, pre-shutdown, uh, and you look at what they were booked at for the following year, they're above that. So they're they're just doing like record numbers. One great way of figuring out the booking curve and what it means financially for the company is to look at customer deposits. Up until now, the most they had ever banked as far as deposits on future cruises, that was $6 million. Well, in the quarterly report, they revealed that they're currently sitting on about $7.2 billion worth of deposits for future cruises. Now, Doug, you and I will acknowledge that we are not the best at math, but even we know $7.2 billion is a lot more than $6 billion. Part of this is also, you know, they're they're increasing their capacity. You know, they've brought new ships into the fleet. Uh, they'll have another one coming in when Costa Forenza joins and becomes, you know, the carnival ship, just like they did with uh, Venezia. So, so they are increasing the uh, amount of ships in Carnival Cruise Line. So previously, Carnival Cruise Line accounted for, I think it was 25% of the overall capacity. Now, they will they will be increasing it to about a third. So that's another way that they're making more money. No matter how you look at it, they're doing pretty well. And how about the stocks on this news? This was the weirdest story. I I happen to live with somebody who follows the stock market, who's involved in the stock market, and I happen to be a Carnival investor in full disclosure. When Carnival came out with this great news earlier in the week, everyone was like, oh, the stock's going to go up. And, you know, sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. But what shouldn't have happened was what actually happened. The stock went down like 8%. After the news came out and people on Wall Street, like if you if you look and see what their reaction was, they were they were literally perplexed. They had no idea why this was happening. Fortunately, for whatever reason, the stock went down. It then rebounded and shot back up and went, you know, quite nice. It's doing um, both it and NCL, because usually what happens is if one stock in a sector goes up, it sort of raises the other stocks as well. So not only did Carnival go up, but uh, Norwegian also saw a nice, healthy boost. So here's hoping that those continue to do well, because even now, now, you know, uh, last time I looked, Carnival stock was at about $20, $21 a share, somewhere in that vicinity. And that's great compared to where it has been. I think I bought it 9 or 10 but it's still significantly beneath the like $60, $62 that it was at at its high. So, you know, I'd love to see those numbers go way up uh, and and put a little money in my pocket. Yeah, it's a bullish market again. What uh, I guess it was what yesterday or Tuesday that the market closed like Royal Caribbean stock was over 100 again. Yeah, when's the last time we saw that? Yeah, that's uh yeah, that's definitely been a while. So there was a little bit of a uh, we'll say drama at Port Miami on Sunday which impacted about 30,000 cruise passengers. So there was an accident in which uh, one man was killed and another was hospitalized after a 30-foot boat hit a, a ferry boat near Miami. And this caused the port to have to be shut down. The accident happened uh, around 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. But it had kind of a, an, an impact that lasted for a while because they had to close things down and do an investigation. And the U.S. Post, Coast Guard was involved and the Florida 
Fish and Wildlife Commission, which I thought was weird, but they were heading up the investigation. Meanwhile, as all this is happening, there were three ships sitting out uh, at sea waiting to come into Port Miami, and there were thousands of people on those ships, and there were thousands of people at the port waiting to get on board. So it kind of became a bit of a mess. The Norwegian Escape, Carnival Celebration, and MSC Seascape, all of which are good-sized ships. They were all sitting there waiting to disgorge their passengers. Uh, Disgorge, that's a great word, so that the other people could get on board. And it turned into a little bit of a mess. Now, there were reports, um, well, really one report, that came out saying that as a result, there was, you know, chaos. And and at first, it seemed like they were talking about on the ship that there was no food and no water and fistfights were breaking out. Now, if you've ever been on a ship, uh, and its return to port is delayed. It, it's not that big a deal, <laughs> you know. Now, the idea that the ship would be out of food and water, like you know, after three hours, is is absolutely ridiculous. It later turned out, when you looked a little bit closer, the person who was saying this was on shore and in the cruise terminal. He was not on one of these ships. He was describing a situation that apparently he had no clue about. So, you know, yeah, there were a lot of unhappy people. You know, you got people on the ship who want to get off and get to the airport or wherever, and this probably screws with their plans. And, of course, you've got all the people on land who are waiting to get on the ship. And the cruise lines do their best. Like Carnival was sending updates to any of their booked passengers they could get in touch with or who had signed up for text alerts saying, please don't come to the port. We will tell you when to come to the port. What they weren't saying was, don't come to the port because it's chaos, which it probably was. But eventually, everybody got off the ships, everybody got on the ships, and thing, the, the port reopened and everything went back to normal. And just so you know, the Florida Wildlife Commission, so that, uh, I think until about 20 years ago, was the Florida Marine Patrol, and then it kind of got tucked in under that. So they actually... Uh, the FWC has the Marine Division here in Florida, and of course the Coast Guard, and then uh, everyone else. Well, that makes sense. See, as yeah. I was reading these stories, I kept waiting for somebody to explain to me why the Wildlife and Fish Commission was involved in this. Yeah, and an unexpected change on a few Royal Caribbean ships. A couple weeks ago, we heard from cruisers on board a few Royal Caribbean ships, and they were asking us if we knew anything about the construction going on, and we didn't. Uh, one said that the Jazz Club was closed on Harmony of the Seas and that there was clearly something going on inside the space. And at the time, we didn't really know what to make of that. Well, now we do. It turns out that Harmony, Oasis of the Seas, and Allure of the Seas, on all three of those ships, they converted the jazz clubs into a new dedicated non-smoking casino. It only took about two weeks to do, um, and the new spaces are open now. Of course, this obviously is going to thrill non-smokers. Even when casinos have non-smoking sections in them, it doesn't help. You know, if you get if you get everybody in there and everybody's smoking, the smoke is going to drift over to the non-smoking section, and that's assuming that people are not you know just disregarding the non-smoking signs and sitting there. So now there is a completely dedicated non-smoking casino on all three of these ships. It's obviously 
obviously also very good for the cruise line because that is a new way of generating revenue you know from that space i'd be interested to know why they decided to get rid of the jazz club on these three spaces like are they were they not popular are they moving the performances to a different venue or are they just saying you know now we're just going to get rid of whatever was going on in that theater altogether we don't really know about that but we do know that on these three ships there are now lovely non-smoking casinos Uh, it's going to be a perfect day at coco Cay for another cruise line yeah this is going to be very exciting for people who love celebrity cruises, but really kind of want to go to Perfect Day at Coco Cay, which up until now has only been available to ships, you know, from their sister line, Royal Caribbean. But beginning in the summer of 2024, both Celebrity Reflection and Celebrity Beyond will be sailing out of Fort Lauderdale's Port Everglades. Beyond will be doing mostly six and seven night sailings, and Reflection will do three and four night sailings. Now, the three and four night sailings they kind of find celebrity joining Royal Caribbean in this big push they're doing with the idea of weekend getaways. You know, we talked a little bit about this last week that Royal Caribbean has been doing a really big push to get people on three and four day cruises. And, you know, it kind of puts in your head the idea, Oh, you know, I don't have a week to go on a cruise, let alone, you know, around the world for 130 days, but, but, but I could do a long weekend. Let's, let's give it a try. So, if you want a week cruise, they've got it. They've got it. If you want a four-day cruise, they've got that too. And of course, there's a lot of money to be made. We keep talking about money today. Why have people spend their cash in a port of call when you can put them on your private island and have them spend the money there? And I would say that you know, probably more than any other private island. Coco Cay is a money generating machine because they have that they have that huge water park and they have you know a lot of different cabanas and things that you can rent so there is a lot of money to be made there it's also huge it's a huge space so you know you can put one of these big ships like Celebrity Beyond there and and swallows the crowd up and and spreads them out. I'll be interested to see I don't know if you know this Doug can they do more than one ship at a time there? Yeah, because when I was there on Odyssey, Symphony was there as well, so it could easily hold two big ships. So that means they can. They could do it'll especially be, you know, especially if Reflection, which is a smaller ship, is there at the same time as, say, you know, an Oasis class ship or whatever. Uh, but you know, either way, got some money coming in, and it's a nice place to go and visit. I mean, honestly, I would rather go to any of the private islands, you know, whether it's MSCs, Norwegians, Carnivals, uh, uh, Royal Caribbeans. I would rather go to any of them then go to Nassau right now. So, you know, take that as you will. All right. I guess it's goodbye until we say hello. Okay. Well, it was really nice. Thanks for having me. Do you have a story or a tip to report? Let us know. Email tips at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. 
How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Just back from a cruise? Let's talk about it. Email Doug at CruiseRadio.net. Angie and her husband just took their very first Carnival cruise. It was on Carnival Panorama out of Long Beach, California. Seven nights down to the Mexican Riviera. Angie joins us on the line. How you doing, Angie? I'm doing great. How are you, Doug? Good. Now, normally you're a, you're more of a princess cruiser, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts about your first Carnival cruise line experience. But before we do that, we're going to take a step back. Give me some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this seven-night Mexican Riviera on Panorama? Well, Doug, like you said, um, my husband and I have mostly cruised on Princess before, and that was because my husband used to work for Princess. Um, but he lost his job due to the pandemic. And so since then, we've decided that we are going to try out some different cruise lines. Um, with Carnival specifically, over the pandemic, um, they were running Facebook ads where you could sign up for their casino program just by showing another casino card. So I did that. And I'm not a huge gambler, but I did get a casino offer, which I think was a function of the pandemic. And I don't think people like me who don't gamble a lot are mm. getting those anymore. <laughs> but I did get a casino offer. So we went ahead and booked this cruise on a casino offer. You're up in the Pacific Northwest area and you make your way down to Long Beach. Any pre-cruise time before the sailing? Yeah, we did. We flew in the day before from Seattle and um, we stayed. So in Long Beach, right by the Carnival Terminal, there's a bunch of hotels. But this was I was trying to keep this a budget trip. So we stayed a little bit away from that waterfront area in downtown Long Beach in an area they called the East Village Arts District. And we stayed in a hotel called the Hotel Royal, which it's kind of a historic hotel. People seem interested in this on Facebook because it's one of the cheaper hotels in that area. And um, it was just fine for one night, but there was a couple things about it. Uh, one thing, it didn't have an elevator. Mm -hmm. So if you're reliant on an elevator, then it wouldn't be the hotel for you. Um, and the room was really, really small. Um, the bed was pretty small. We're used to a king size bed. So uh, I think it was a full size bed. <laughs> so it was a little cramped, but for one night it was just fine. And it did help us save some money. Um, for other folks who might be listening though, that area was really fun. Like there are a lot of restaurants and shops and stuff, and none of it was as expensive as the stuff down by the waterfront. And because it's considered an arts district, they have street art everywhere. Um, and it looked like also a lot of people might live in that neighborhood because we saw a lot of people out walking their dogs and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so if that particular hotel doesn't work for people because of the no elevator thing, there are several other hotels around that area that are a little bit cheaper than the ones right by the water. Um, and it was kind of a, just a fun neighborhood to just spend the evening in walking around and stuff. I don't know if you price the Hotel Maya or not, that double tree right there next to the cruise port. It's like around 400 bucks a night. It's insane. Yeah, it's super pricey. And a lot of people stay there because it's very convenient. Mm -hmm. But for us, we were trying to do like a budget trip this time because um, we just did a big uh, vacation last about six months ago. We did an Alaska cruise, which was more expensive. Yeah. So um, 
since I got this casino offer and we were trying to be on a budget, I just was trying to find the most affordable. So it's time to board Carnival Panorama. You make your way to the Long Beach Cruise Terminal. How was your embarkation process and how long did it take you from curb to ship? Well, from curb to ship, um, I think it took about an hour. We got an Uber from our hotel to the terminal. And one thing about that terminal, the terminal itself is pretty well organized, but the parking area and the drop-off area is a giant cluster. Like we were sitting in the Uber for a good 10, 15 minutes, just trying to get into the terminal to the point where Uber sent me an automatic phone call asking if we were okay (laughs) because they had detected that the Uber had stopped and hadn't moved for a while. Um, And it was because we had a really early check-in time. So we were getting dropped off at the same time. A lot of the passengers were getting off the ship from the previous sailing. And then the same thing happened when we left a week later. So getting there was slow. But then once we got in there, we got there right during our check-in time, which we had 10.30 to 11. We got there right at 11. So we were able to walk right in. You had to get in line to check in and everything. And then that terminal, um, folks are probably familiar with it, but it's it's pretty new, I think. And they have a lot of really good um, like permanent seating in there. So once we got checked in, we had to sit in the benches for maybe five minutes or so before they started calling groups to get on the ship. So I think our timing was perfect. If we had gotten there any earlier, we would have just been sitting around. We got called, our group got called pretty quickly and then you still have to go through more. There's a lot of walking and, uh, you know, facial detection and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then we finally got on the ship. So it was about an hour. Okay. So you make your way on board Panorama. This was your very first Carnival Cruise Line ship. What were your first mm-hmm. impressions? Um, it's a really nice ship. And I had watched some um, ship tours on YouTube. So I was kind of prepared for what it was going to look like. Um, it has a really fresh look compared to some of the older Carnival ships that I've seen videos of and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very kind of summertime, bright colors and everything like that. The main atrium area has a really cool, um, instead of like a sculpture or a chandelier, it has like a digital screen. So it's showing different images all the time. The way they did the muster on this one was they sent us directly to our muster station before we could do anything else. They just directed us right there. We didn't have to do anything in the app or anything that I knew about, but we did have to go to the muster station and hang out there until like maybe six or eight people showed up. And then they did a little mini like mustard girl with us, checked us off and let us go. So that was pretty painless. Then, you know, we were free to do whatever we wanted until our rooms were ready. What were your thoughts of the Carnival's way of doing the muster now? I mean, you were on Princess or rather you were on Holland America a few months ago. Was it similar? Easier, I thought. Although the Holland America one was really easy as well. But with the Holland America one, you had to watch something on your TV and then go to your muster station. So Mm -hmm. that wouldn't have been possible with this anyway, because our rooms weren't ready right away. But with this, it was super simple because they just directed you straight there when you got on the ship. They just looked at your card and told you where to go. And you just went straight there. And then it was just over with, you know. And I remember the old days of when you would have to wait for the mustard drill and you would just be getting comfortable in whatever you were doing. And then you'd have to go do the mustard drill. So this was way better. And we didn't have to, we didn't have to do anything ourselves. We didn't have to do anything on an app or on a TV or anything. Um, So it was actually super easy. You make your way to your stateroom later on in the afternoon. What kind of stateroom did you have for this seven night cruise? And what were your thoughts of it throughout the week? We had a deluxe ocean view. There's also a code of six M for people to look for. It was a really nice cabin. It was it was big. 
Um, we've never sailed in an ocean view before. We've done interiors and we've done balconies. So I don't know if other cruise ships are like this, but the ocean view was really big <laughs> um, compared to most cruise cabins. Like we had no problem. Usually we have to like, just the two of us, we have to like coordinate ourselves to even walk around the room. Um, but this one was fine. You know, we have them do the bed together. And then the there was a sofa as well, which I think probably would make into a bed if you had a third person there. One, one thing that was really special about this cabin and why I shouted out the category of 6M is that this particular cabin has two bathrooms. So hmm. there's the regular bathroom you're used to that has the shower, toilet, and sink. But then there was a second bathroom right next to it that just had a shower and a tub and a sink. And that one, that was so nice because, um, you know, then we didn't have to take turns using the shower. And when you have a shower with a tub, the tub was not a full-size tub, but it, it still makes the shower bigger. So it was, it was really nice to have that. And that was a kind of a bonus surprise thing that I didn't realize I was booking when I booked it. <laughs> so that was kind of exciting. And you mentioned the cabin had a lot of space in it. Did you have enough for the your lug, luggage under the bed or in the, the cabinets and also enough USB plugs and such? Yeah, I and mean, we didn't even put our luggage under the bed because it was big enough. We could just kind of stick it in the corners. Mm -hmm. The only complaint I might say is that there were not plugs next to the bed, which I find annoying in this day and age. And it's not even a very old ship. Like it was, I think it was released in like 2019. So I would have liked to see USB ports or plugs next to the bed, but we did have plenty of plugs and I always travel with, you know, my adapters and everything so that we can plug in several items. Let's talk about dining on this seven night cruise. We'll start at the top at Carnival's Lido Deck Marketplace. What were your thoughts up there at the buffet? The buffet was fine. The buffet was not the best ever. It was good for breakfast and sometimes for lunch. Um, we did go there one day for dinner and I, I thought that offerings were really, really limited for dinner. There are two buffet stations that are kind of almost like separate rooms away from each other. And during lunch, they would have two different offerings of food in there. Um, but at dinner, they only had one open. And so it would turn into like a huge cluster, way too many people and not enough food in that area. But, so we didn't really do the buffet for dinner more than maybe, I think once because of that. But for breakfast, it was fine. And for lunch, one thing I really like about the ship is that there are so many casual options for breakfast and lunch. So they have the marketplace buffet area and all the seating and everything. Then right outside, you have the guys burgers and the blue iguana. And on the other end, you have the pizza. Um, those are all the free ones. And then there's a seafood one that's for pay. And so you could easily get your food from any of those places too, which those places all had kind of limited seating, but you could also filter into the buffet seating and there was plenty of seating. So it didn't ever feel like, you know, it was too crowded or anything um, for breakfast or lunch. Well, how about the, uh, the main dining room? What time dining did you have and how was your experience in there throughout the week? We had the your time dining um, and it was, that experience was fine. Um, the, we use the hub app. So the hub app um, that you download to your phone, it you can reserve your time. Like whenever you're ready for dinner, you just reserve your table in there. And we always got a table within like five to 10 minutes. Um, it probably helps that we were just a table of two. We always got our tables really quickly. So we would reserve it while we were still in our cabin. And then we would go up to the dining room. And usually by the time we would get there, they would have a table for us. We ate there most of the nights because 
most of the dinner options on Panorama, they have a lot of specialty dining, um, but we were kind of more on a budget. And so we just decided not to do any of the specialty dining. So we ate in the dining room most nights. Um, I thought the food was fine. It wasn't like fine dining or really super fantastic. And like you said before, we're released a princess and princess is known for having like amazing food. So, but it was fine. It wasn't, it was definitely edible and we definitely never went hungry. <laughs> you know, one thing that we weren't expecting or um, used to was how the dining room servers do like a song and dance every night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was just so cute and really fun for us. Like we were really, um, we just really liked all those little touches that Carnival does to make things fun. Did y'all get to do, since you were first time Carnival cruisers, the warm chocolate melting cake? Um, yeah, we did for the first time ever. I've heard about it for years. And I even remember during the pandemic when all the bloggers and stuff were like making videos of themselves making the <laughs> melting cake. <laughs> so I was ready and it was good. Yeah. So outside of that, anything like uh, did you hit up the pizza place or anything? Yeah, we did basically every free dining that you could do. We did the pizza one night um, and it was good. Um, the I think that later at night they do something where they have like pizza and sandwiches or something. We never made it that late because uh-huh. we're not that late night of people. Um, but we did the pizza. We did the <clears throat> inside the buffet area. There's also the deli. So we did that one night. Um Guys, burgers, the blue iguana, we did several times for breakfast because we really liked those breakfast burritos. And there's also at lunch on sea days, there's a free barbecue buffet at the mm-hmm. guys pig and acre outside. And so we did that one day. There's an Asian restaurant on board Gigi's that is a upcharge restaurant at night, but they did a free lunch noodles. We did do that. We didn't, we weren't super impressed by it. Um, they give you like a really small bowl of noodles. um that day was fine because we weren't actually that hungry and then they came back around and asked us if we wanted more noodles but i just i kind of (laughs) i think if you were really hungry you'd be disappointed because you'd be sitting there waiting for like more little bowls of noodles (laughs) but um i think the only one we didn't do was the italian restaurant also has a free lunch and we we never got around to doing that one missed out on cucina for lunch that's a good one I did get to try um, the first night in the dining room. They had one of their meals on the regular dining room menu, Mm -hmm. which was a chicken Parmesan. And that was pretty good. So let's talk about the entertainment on this seven night cruise. How did Carnival's entertainment stack up to Princess? Um, It was super fun. I think the cruise director makes the cruise a lot of the time. And we had Marty um, and I don't know his last name because he just kept saying Marty, the cruise director. He was really fun. That was something we missed when we cruised on Hall in America because their cruise director as more of a laid back position, I think. But he, you know, Marty was there. I mean, this guy too, I don't know how these guys do it. I feel like they're probably all actually triplets because I feel like he's working like 14, 16 hour days. He's, he's doing all the announcements. He's doing all these events. And then whenever he wasn't doing that, you just see him walking around the ship, shaking hands with people and stuff. So that was really fun. Um, we went to some of his like little sing-along parties that he does and stuff. Uh, we did go to a couple of the stage shows and I always think the stage shows on cruise ships are a little bit cheesy. <laughs> so my husband likes to go to them though. And they were fine. The performers are so talented. And sometimes I want, I wish they would give them a little bit better material to work with. But, um, and then the last thing about entertainment that we really loved was the Havana bar. Mm-hmm. Cause they had, you know, a Latin band and they were, 
playing and singing in Spanish and playing, you know, legit Latin music. And people were really having fun on the dance floor in there too and stuff. So it was just a really fun place to spend the evening. Did you stay up for any of the late night comedy shows? You know what? We never made it to a comedy show. Okay. I sort of realized toward the end, oh, we never made it to one. They always (laughs) seemed really busy and we always had other stuff that we were doing. The day will get away from you on a cruise. That's uh, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. So how were the sea days as far as crowds and congestion around the ship? Um, It wasn't too bad. It was a very busy and full ship. Um, I think Marty said there were like 4,400 guests on the ship. They have it arranged somehow so that the traffic flows pretty well throughout the ship. And even when you have, you know, the people on scooters and stuff, there, there was never like a big jam or anything. The only place that got really crowded was there's this venue at the aft of deck five, right before you get to the van bar, they call it the ocean plaza. And that's where they would have trivia and stuff. Sometimes we would try to go and do trivia, but it was just impossible because It was so packed with people. And the only place to sit was like over by the bar where they were making all these blender drinks so you couldn't hear anything. The funny thing about that, though, is that right outside of there is a ton of seating on an outside deck. And it was hardly ever full or even half full. So we started going down there a lot just to get fresh air and stuff because we knew that there would be really comfortable seats. And like we are very pale people from Seattle. Mm -hmm. So we can't sit out in the direct sunlight for very long. (laughs) So we sat out there outside the Ocean Plaza a lot, but inside the Ocean Plaza was always really crowded. And then the other place that was kind of a problem was the pools, because the pools on the ship are just really way too small for the the size of the ship. And I know that, um, you know, cruise ship pools are never that big. But these pools are really small. There was only really one time I kind of felt like getting in the pool and I just looked and I was like, no, I'm not getting in that pool because there was like 20 other people. I'd be like, you were like sitting on each other's lap. So that was a little bit disappointing. Oddly, though, the um, there was never really a problem getting a lounger, mm. like if you just wanted to sit in the sun. Mm-hmm. But actually getting in the pool would, was kind of a problem. You were saying you're not a big gambler, but did you notice the smoke situation in or around the casino as maybe you were walking through? Um, I did spend a little time in the casino because they gave me that casino offer. So I felt, you know, obligated mm-hmm. to drop a little bit of money. Um, the casino did allow smoking. And I was kind of surprised that because I thought on new, a lot of newer cruise ships, there's like a non-smoking area, but there didn't seem to be one. It is open. It's on deck four. And you kind of have to walk through it to get to a couple different places. And so you would smell the smoke outside of it as well. Like, when you were by the shops and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It wasn't horrible, um, but there was a day that I went in there and I just went back out again because I was like, it was a beautiful day outside. And I just realized like, I kind of don't want to be sitting here breathing in other people's smoke while it's right. a beautiful day outside. So um, another smoking issue I wanted to raise was there is a smoking area on deck five, which is and to the four of deck five on both sides, apparently there's a smoking area. And I saw some people on Facebook complaining because they had booked balcony cabins on deck six that was right above the smoking area. Ugh. And so they were complaining because they didn't realize that they had booked a balcony right above a smoking area. And then by the time they got there, it was too late. They couldn't be moved. So that's something for people to watch out for, I think, when booking your cabin. So the ports of call on the seven-night cruise were Puerto Vallarta, Mazatlan, and Cabo. So what we'll do here is give us a highlight from the first one, and then we'll move to the next one. Okay, great. So in, the first one was Puerto Vallarta. We had a really long day there. We had, I think, about 12 hours in port, and it's Puerto Vallarta is a larger city than the other two. So we decided that was kind of our day to just wander around and um, see what the city had to offer. And in Puerto Vallarta, like many of these places, they have the Malacan, 
um, I wanted to give our day a little bit of form. So I was looking around online for stuff to do. And I found that they have an art walk in the old town area, which is right by the Malacon. Um, we were not there the day of the art walk, but there was an art walk map. So I printed out the art walk map and it had like about 16, 18 different galleries on this map. They were all within several blocks of each other. Um, and so I figured we could visit some of these galleries. Whenever I'm in a different place, I like to try to engage with the culture a little bit um, away from like the tourist part of town if I can. So um, we had our little trusty map. We took an Uber to the first uh, gallery, which the Uber was super cheap, by the way, way cheaper than the taxi guys that were standing around. And we just kind of made our way through about 10 of the galleries on the art walk map and just kind of looked at the art and everything. And then uh, at one point we just got tired of that. And so we peeled off and walked down to the Malacon. Like the whole time we were doing this art walk, we could see the water. It was really close. So we just peeled off and walked down to the Malacon and just kind of walked around and looked at the ocean and all that good stuff. Um, eventually we got some food and then we finally ended up at the cathedral, which is close by there as well. Um, and then we just got a cab back to the ship. And then your next port of call was Mazatlan, which has its areas, but a beautiful port of call. Uh, how was your experience there? Do anything nice? Yeah. And there was a situation that happened in Sinaloa where I think like they arrested El Chapo's son or something. <laughs> and so everybody was upset and worried that, you know, there was going to be this, all this unrest and whatever. But um, I didn't hear about anything like that happening while we were there. In Mazatlan, what we chose to do was um, there's this site, and I think it's relatively new, called Observatorio Mazatlan 1873. And it is, you know how Mazatlan has um, kind of like these big hills, right? Right by the water. So mm -hmm. this is an old historic place where the military used to have this station up there. They would look out, you know, over the water for security reasons. And then they were also doing some kind of earthquake detection up there. Just in the last few years, sometime it's been redeveloped into a tourist attraction. We bought tickets in the port terminal to this that included transportation to and from, a ticket to get in, and then also the of course, because it's Mexico, there was also a margarita involved. You can also just go there in a cab and buy your ticket to go in. But they have a funicular. So you take the funicular up to the top of this hill where this building is. And it's a beautiful location. You have amazing views. The building itself has been developed into like a little museum. They also, I think, use it for private events as well. So it's really well kept. You, you can just kind of, there are people there uh, working that will explain things to you and stuff, but you kind of just walk around at your leisure. There's not like a guided tour. They also had a bird sanctuary. So we got to go inside the bird sanctuary and the birds came and kind of played with us and stuff. There's an iguana sanctuary and there's an agave garden. And then at the very top of this building, there's like an upstairs to it and there's like a restaurant and bar. And so we got to sit up there and have our drink and kind of just look out over the, the views and stuff. So that was a really fun excursion. And I, I wouldn't be surprised at some point in the future if the cruise lines start offering that as an excursion. It's really popular. I found out about it in, on Facebook and a lot of people are starting to talk about it and um, have fun. And the other thing about that too was that because we were kind of like up on this mountain at this tourist attraction, we didn't even really have to, I wasn't super worried about the security situation in Mazatlan anyway, but we mm -hmm. didn't have to worry about that at all because we were just kind of like away from all of that. Does this itinerary have any late night departures? 
not really late. Puerto Vallarta, I think we took off at like 9 p.m., but Mazalan was like maybe sick. Cabo, I've never been there before. Is Cabo strictly a tender port? Yeah, it is. What did y'all do there? We did a whale watching tour through Carnival. By the way, for your listeners, that's totally unnecessary. Like <laughs> you can just take the tender and there's lots of guys standing right there that'll sell you, you know, a whale watching tour or a boat ride or whatever. But we were just going for the convenient route. So yeah. we did this whale watching tour through Carnival. It was cool. We saw whales. There was margaritas, of course. <laughs> uh, there seems to be a, a reoccurring theme with the margaritas <laughs> on this trip. Everywhere you went, everywhere you went, there That's was tequila true. tasting and margaritas. And yeah. I don't usually drink margaritas at 9 a.m., but... <laughs> you're, you're south of the border, so you're you're allowed to, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you make your way back to Long Beach. Uh, you mentioned when you were getting on the ship, you did the facial recognition. Was it the same thing getting off the ship? And how was it as far as organization going from your cabin, getting your luggage and getting off the ship? They didn't really seem to use the facial recognition this time. Um, the last cruise I was on, they used it all the time. In this case, they mostly just would scan your sail and sign card. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our pictures were in their little iPads that they have there. Um, they didn't really use the facial recognition. So we decided to do the self-assist because uh, I don't like putting my, I don't like packing the day before and putting yeah. my stuff out in the hallway. So we just, you know, got up and, it's not, we don't get into that port. Uh, you don't get into Long Beach super early. So we got up, we had to be out of the room by like 8.30. We went and got breakfast. And then they started letting folks off the ship around, I think, 9.15 or 9.30 or so. So we just got off the ship and got another Uber, experienced the whole cluster again of the folks arriving and departing at the same time mm-hmm. <laughs> in the same place and you know, made our way off to the airport. Did you have to wait in the airport for a while or did you have a pretty, uh, pretty early flight back up there to Seattle? No, I, I booked a flight at two o'clock, so it wasn't too bad. Um, and we flew out of Santa Ana because I was just trying to avoid big airports. Yeah. Also where we live in the Seattle area, we have a small regional airport that flies to Santa Ana. Uh Um, and I was actually hoping to get on that. So I didn't have to deal with SeaTac either. But we that didn't work out, but I still ended up flying into Santa Ana. And Santa Ana was a nice little airport to fly in and out of. It's not very big at all. And the security line was super short. It was it was really nice. Okay. Well, any first-time tips to offer either any first-time carnival cruisers or someone sailing carnival panorama? One tip is on Facebook, there's a really good group. I'm recommending this because I know Facebook groups are like super hit or miss, but this one's really good. And it's called Carnival Panorama Cruise Page, and it's in all caps. And even though it's called Page, it is a group because the Panorama basically does the same itinerary every week and has been for a long time. There's a lot of really good tips in there, both about the ship, but also about the um, ports and everything like that. And then the other advice I would give people is just, you know, it is a super fun. I mean, Carnival has used the word fun so much. It's almost like they think they trademarked it (laughs) in their, all their marketing and they have a fun officer and all that kind of stuff, but it is a super fun cruise and it's a very laid back cruise. So just go into it expecting, you know, to have fun and be laid back. Um, If you're coming from a line like princess, like we are, it was a little different in terms of um, like, I don't, the service level wasn't always quite what it is on princess, but the crew was still really, really super friendly. And um, there wasn't, I didn't experience any, you know, sometimes you hear stuff about carnival cruises getting really wild and stuff. I didn't experience any of that. It was, it was pretty laid back. Of course, we were not up until two and three in the morning either, 
So maybe that's when everybody was getting wild. I don't know. <laughs> but for us, it was just really fun, really laid back. Um, and we're really happy that we took this cruise. What was your biggest highlight of this sailing? I think the biggest highlight for us was just being able to visit the ports in Mexico because we had actually never been to those ports before. And especially Puerto Vallarta. This is one, you know, every time I take a cruise, there's one port where I think I would love to go back there for a whole vacation because I feel like we barely scratched the surface. And another big highlight for us was just um, experiencing Carnival for the first time. And, you know, the vibes on Carnival on the ship were really, they were both laid back and fun. And another thing about it that was different was um, it was very diverse. The the crowd that was there, the, the other guests, like you had all ages and you had all ethnicities and stuff, which isn't always the case when you're sailing on a more premium line. It tends to be kind of like older white people. Mm-hmm. And I'm an older white people, but <laughs> um, I'm a middle-aged white people. But I kind of like being in a more of a mix of people. That's more what I'm, uh, what I, how I live in my real life. So that vibe was cool too. Nice. Now, do you think that you would sail another carnival cruise again if given the opportunity, or are you going to think you'll stick to Princess? That's a very good question, and you should stay tuned because I don't think we've decided yet. Okay. Um, I definitely want to go back and cruise on Princess some more, but that having been said, every time we cruised on Princess before, we never had to pay for it. So right. <laughs> what I think we'll probably do for our next cruises is just kind of make a comparison of yeah. – um, the different lines. And there's also other lines we may try. You never know. We might jump on a World Caribbean at some point. Who knows? But I think what we'll do in the future is like kind of do a comparison, a price comparison, and then, you know, a comparison of the itinerary and the in the ships. We may even jump back on Holland America sometime if we want to go on one of those. You know, they have kind of more obscure itineraries sometimes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think it'll just depend on a lot of factors. But I, I will say that I I hadn't really thought too much about sailing on Carnival until I got that, um, that Facebook ad with the casino offer. And also, um, you know, Sherry with cruise tips TV, she did a really good carnival panorama ship tour a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And just watching the ship tour, I thought, Oh, this is different than what I think of as carnival. Cause I think carnival kind of has a, like a reputation that is kind of undeserved because it was really comfortable. It was really laid back. Um, it was a little more crowded and I don't think the, the food wasn't quite as good as like what you would have on a princess, but it definitely was a really fun and, um, worthwhile vacation for us. So, and I, I feel like I'm saying all this, I kind of sound like a snob, but, um, maybe I was a little bit of a snob about it before, but, um, I really enjoyed it and I, it's definitely on our list to do again in the future. No, I'll be honest. I didn't think you were going to enjoy it just because how, how much princess you've done before. I know. And it was funny because I talked to Sherry sometimes too. And she was, I I kept telling her that I was going because I um, watched her ship tour. And I think I made her nervous. (laughs) You guys have to remember the reason we did Princess so much is because he worked there. And so we got to cruise for free. Yeah. Um, I do like Princess a lot though. And I'm sure that we will go back and cruise on Princess again. It wasn't so much just because we constantly always chose to do that. It was um, and so that's partially why we're now trying, you know, different cruise lines and just seeing what the lay of the land is. After I've listened to about a thousand of your episodes and watched 
millions of other videos on YouTube. And I seem to know all about all these cruise lines. I'm like, I actually want to try some of them now. (laughs) (laughs) In closing here, before we hop your final thoughts of Carnival Panorama. Um, It's a really nice ship. It has a very fresh look um, and feel. There are a lot of comfortable spaces. Um, If you do come across a crowded spot on the ship, usually you can just kind of go up a deck or around a corner and find lots of open seats. Um, don't be uh, discouraged if you if there's you know crowding in one area, you'll find one around the corner. Definitely try it out if you're on the West Coast. And even if you're on the East Coast and you want to come over and try the Mexican Riviera, I think it's a really fun cruise and a really nice ship. Very good. I've been talking with Angie about her seven-night, very first time sailing Carnival Cruise Line on Carnival Panorama. Angie, always good talking to you. Thank you so much for your review. Yeah, you too, Doug. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.